Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Close Readings. This series we've called The Long and Short because in it we're looking at a selection of modern long poems interwoven with some short stories. Modern meaning, in this case, literature in English from the mid-19th century onwards. And as always, our conversation will be informed by the immense archive of essays and reviews that make up the back catalogue of the London Review of Books. My name is Seamus Perry, and I teach English at Balliol College in Oxford, and I'm talking to Mark Ford, poet, critic, and professor of English literature at University College London. And today's subject is the short stories of D.H. Lawrence. And the stories we'll be talking about are Oda of Chrysanthemums, The Prussian Officer, England My England, The Blind Man, and The Rocking Horse Winner. Now, Mark, Lawrence is an unusual author in the selection that we've chosen for this series, I suppose, because he's not only a great novelist, and that's true of James as well, of course, but also a poet. Where do you see his short stories fitting into his career as a whole? I think he does things in the short stories that one doesn't find as much in the novels, that he uses the short stories in a way that connects with his compulsive imagination and interest in particular scenes in a way that he sort of loses touch with that in the novels, that he becomes something of a polemicist and he becomes a kind of prophet figure. And novels like particularly Women in Love, but also The Rainbow before it, have large kind of presentations of Lawrence's views on the mm. world, which are not always easy to follow or convincing. And you've he can be rather kind of strident and shrill when he's denouncing modernity. And that's very true of Lady Chatterley's lover in between the sex. Mm. Uh, there's lots of bits of it in which he's denouncing modernity. And the connection between Lawrence's life and his writing is, is one that's really worth kind of pondering and is perhaps at its most acute in these short stories, which seem to have a an almost visceral connection with the events which they are transcribing. Some of them are, are almost like Romana Clay. They're mm. kind of ca- characters yeah. from his life, such as J.M. Barry mm. or whatever, who, who enter these stories. So there's a sense in which they're unencumbered or less encumbered by the philosophical baggage which Lawrence could bring to his longer prose fictions. But they have some of the kind of quickness and vivacity and excitement of his poetry. Yeah. Uh, but they also tell stories and have characters in them. Yeah. So... Um, in some ways, for me, they are the quintessential Lawrence, They're the Lawrence I can most enjoy reading. And they're also more ambiguous, you know, in terms of what happens in them uh, than his longer fictions often are. Yes, OK. So so the selection of stories that we've we've made, in a way, tracks him through his career as a short story writer, doesn't it? So we'll be able to draw on some of his life experiences as we discuss them in order. And also, maybe we can keep an eye on 
uh, what he's doing in the other parts of his literary life that might impinge upon the stories that we're going to talk about. The first one is very early, 1909, uh, a story called Odour of Chrysanthemums, published in 1911, and then published again in, in, in book form in 1914. And this um, is coming, isn't it, absolutely out of the out of the world of sons and lovers and Lawrence's um, upbringing in Nottinghamshire in, in, a, in a pretty impoverished mining community and locked into this extremely passionate but toxic relationship with his mother and his abusive father. And, and that's absolutely the world, isn't it, that you see in Sons and Lovers. And Odor of Chrysanthemums is like a little kind of chip off that block. Yes, and it shows Lawrence's great gifts as a realist um, writer, that all the details are hallucinatorily clear, aren't they? That it, it, in terms of the engine that chuffing up from the pit that goes past their house where um, Elizabeth Bates is waiting for Walt to return. And it, it's an incredibly moving story because he actually had a distant uncle, didn't he, who died in a pit in the 19th century. Uh, and pit deaths were a fairly kind of um, hazard of the trade. And the details of the house in which they live and the way the children... He's particularly good at children, isn't he, throughout, yeah. throughout his career? Children and animals. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, he sort of catches their sort of difference from the adult world. And there's a sense of kind of foreboding throughout the story, as well as that this relationship is is one which in some ways perhaps reflects that of Lydia, his mother, mm. and Arthur, his father, which, which was one... It, which was interpreted by Lawrence as that she was more genteel and more educated and more ambitious yeah. and he was content with his life down the pit and got drunk with his mates uh, on the weekend and so on and could be quite violent. Yes, yeah, so it's realist in the sense that it's interested in class, isn't it, and social distinction in, 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 that, in that sense. But it's also, although it's very embryonic at this stage, it's also very interested in ideas of sort of subterranean life energies that run underneath conscious or, or, or ordinary quotidian life. And these are the sorts of themes that are going to come into full flower, aren't they, in some of the later stories that, we, yes. that we're going to look at. And it really showcases his descriptive gifts as well, particularly, I think, when the corpse is brought in and laid out. Yes, and, Walt's and, they, mother, and they wash it. Yes. They wash it. Walt's mother is rocking and moaning. She wakes up the kids. Lydia has to go upstairs to calm down the children and say there's nothing wrong, but you know that when they wake up the next morning, they'll find their fatherless. And she is thinking, how can I survive on a pension? Will I have enough to live on? Uh, so it, it really does do some of the things that the sort of 19th century sort of protest novel, so yeah. to speak, like by, I don't know, Elizabeth Gaskell or yeah. Dickens's Hard Times does in representing with devastating accuracy the condition of living uh, off a coal miner's wages. And, and there, are, you know, there, are, there are a number of these stories. And I think Eastwood, Returns to Eastwood, did bring out in many ways the most kind of driven aspect of Lawrence's prose, that when, when he was recreating his childhood in Eastwood, he seems in the grip of, of memories which give the prose a real sort of detail and distinctiveness and, and kind of sureness and immediacy. Yeah. We do know, don't we, because uh, it's recorded somewhere that um, Lawrence remembered as a child fantasising that his father might be killed in the pit because he hated him so much. So the story has got that sort of fascination that it, it, it at once a piece of wish fulfilment 
but at the same time a piece of kind of self-recrimination for having that wish in the first place. And I think that's something that's very powerful about it. Also, I absolutely take your, your point that it, it is set within a genre that we might think of as being realist. But we should also emphasize, shouldn't we, that even at this very early stage of his career as a short story writer, there's a very beautiful kind of poetic organization to the poem, particularly the way that, for example, chrysanthemums, as the title of the story might suggest, are so important in the choreography of the story. So the first sighting of the chrysanthemums uh, when um, the mother kind of relents at having scolded her son in the in the yard, and in this sort of spontaneous act, which is never fully kind of psychologized for us as readers, she breaks off a twig with two or three wand flowers and held them against her face, and then she puts the, this little sprig of chrysanthemum flowers in her apron, and then as the story goes on, the the flowers will recur won't they, in, in, in different sorts of ways. And you realise that the, the story is being structured as a narrative, absolutely, but also in this much more kind of poetic way with the flowers recurring in different sorts of... Yes, she has them at her wedding, doesn't she? That's and, right. And, um, uh, and there's this lovely moment when, let me smell, said the child, still rapturously, mm. coming forward and putting her face to her mother's waist. Go along, silly, said the mother, turning up the lamp. Yes. The sense in which the, the, these chrysanthemums incarnate a sort of life of, of pleasure, you know, a, a simple pleasure, uh, as well as then having this symbolic resonance in relation to the way she understands her life yes. and the different sort of stations of it. And there's a lovely moment, isn't there, when, when the body is, is put into the parlour, which is tiny because it's such a, obviously it's a poor person's house. So you can just about, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it is funny in a way. And I think one of the themes that we will be talking about is this very interesting comedy that Lawrence works into these stories. And this is a very, very grim kind of comedy about the, the body of the dead miner just about fitting in the tiny, tiny parlour. There would be room to lay him down and to step round him. But as he's being brought into the parlour by uh, two of his fellow um, workmates from the pit, one of the men knocks off a vase of chrysanthemums. So it's like a kind of accident. And Lawrence writes, he stared awkwardly, then they set down the stretcher. Elizabeth did not look at her husband. As soon as she could get into the room, she went and picked up the broken vase and the flowers. And it's such a beautifully kind of understated bit of poetic symbolism, isn't it, about, about her feelings about the husband and the relationship and the whole disaster of the marriage and everything else. Yes, and I love the way that the manager speaks this kind of better language mm. in their gym and sort of gets cross and tells the men off, lay the stretcher at the side, snapped the manager, <laughs> put him on the cloths. Mine now, mine now, look you now. The yes. kind of um, the hierarchy of, of the... And, and the men are so kind of awkward as they bring the body in. Um, Lawrence is, is... There's something almost uncensoring about the way Lawrence's prose works, that he puts in the things that other writers... Would, would leave out yeah. and there's a kind of fullness um, and you do feel when he's writing that he's in the grip of a sort of demon that, that's driving driving the prose and although he revised endlessly and he revised this story he revised most things in a kind of compulsive way there is none of that Flaubertian sense of the mot juste or trying to no, find perfectionism. the perfect sentence. No, no, exactly. Um, and I think that's what excites people about Lawrence's prose especially, I mean uh, I don't know about you when did, when did you first read Lawrence? I suppose it's sixth form. Sixth maybe. form, yes. Yeah. I mean, in, in people of our generation read Lawrence in their teens. Yes, you started it, with Lady Chatterley's Lover and then worked backwards, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to speak. I remember reading Love Among the Haystacks yeah, and yeah. Ode of Chrysanthemums yeah. um, and feeling that that he had a sort of 
uh, was able to reach places that no other writer reached. Yeah. That he he's a Blake, I suppose, was the only similarly kind of uninhibited writer who seemed to have an ability to connect with one's own most kind of uh, almost anti-literary or anti-institutional forces, mm. that there was a sense that Lawrence was putting you in touch. This is partly reading him, I guess, through F.R. Leavis. He put you in touch with life with a capital, capital L. L. Yeah. Life with a capital L in some kind of fundamental way. Thanks for listening to this extract from The Long and Short, a close reading series from the London Review of Books. To listen to the full episodes and all our other close reading series, sign up to our close reading subscription. Go to lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link in the description.